This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, November 6, 2020, and the world has not burned down yet. Uh, it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Kanye 2024. <laughs> 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 okay, folks. Uh, before we get into the podcast and all the things that we have planned for you, which is it's a stack show, we do have to acknowledge that podcasts aren't necessarily live streamed. So you're listening to this on Friday. We recorded this on Wednesday. So a lot of information has been shared with you that we are not yet privy to. So because of that, we are not going to acknowledge the election results or anything. This show is evergreen. It's election free because we have no idea what the state of the world is on Friday. So there you go. I just had to get that disclaimer. Can I just say as you know, I've I've often thought about about, you know, you guys know me. Sometimes I like to think about big, weird ideas like, you know, the passage of time and, and relativity <laughs> and things like that. You know, time which isn't is, a weird idea, is it? Well, I mean, it's weird how it, it's, I mean, essentially it's, it's uh, you know, how we view time as a construct. I mean, time can move at two different speeds based on where you are in the universe and how fast you're moving. That's pretty weird, you know? Like, if you were... I think time is just measured by how... Much your body sags. Like 42 years of time. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you look well, like about 53 okay. years well, well, of time. This is, a, this is I'm a, 36. This yeah. is a digression, but you know, if like, if you were Black to put, don't crack, baby. It, this is a digression. Right. Like Jesse just said, time moves differently. Yeah. Th- depending no, on where you're at. yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea because, I mean, this is, this is a, a, a digression of the point I was going to make, but. That's what this show is. Um, but like, you know, if you if you had two clocks that were both met, that were both synced up together uh, right. and you had one here on Earth and you put one on a spaceship that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, moving at a certain speed, those two clocks would measure different times. The one that was moving at a certain speed through space, uh, time actually moves slower than the one here on Earth. Like we know that's an observable, that's that's the theory of relativity, that there's a connection between space and time. That's not my point. My point is this. <laughs> Yo, my man just took us to inception. Yes. But think about like space movies, like when yeah. they when they like are traveling to other parts of the universe or planets that are light years away. Like they, you know, and even in the movies, the astronauts will go to sleep, right, and then uh-huh. they'll wake up. And years have passed, but it's like no different to them. Well, it's that's, that's what it feels like no, right now. But not, now. But like not even, not even like, not even hypersleep though. Like if you were to stay awake for a year and you were moving yeah. fast enough, and you right. a, a year would have passed for you biologically and right. literally, even though three years would have passed on Earth. Like well, so what, was, what was the the uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie where that happened where they got trapped on a planet for like seven minutes? That, yeah, that, that's a, it's a cle- yeah, it's a cle- uh, it's a plot point in Interstellar, but that's observably true. We know yeah. that time does that. 
that. So, but we know time is weird, <laughs> which but, is what, which is essentially kind of where the idea of a time machine has come up. Like you could go back, or you could slow down the progression of time, whereas time is progressing. It's not that you could go back in time, but you could come back to Earth. And way yeah. more time has passed, but you're yeah. the same age. Yeah, yeah, conceivably, conceivably, you could, you know, quote unquote, time travel to the future. Time traveling right. to the past right. is is there's no Impossible. sort of yeah, yeah mathematical way to do that. But mathematically, it's possible to so travel. So back to the future the, two was real. Back that's to the future a do- three to, was to my fantasy. understanding two was a documentary. That's that, right. was, that was that was that was yeah. yeah. No, Wolski. but. but but my whole point is this, but not to talk about relativity. <laughs> is to talk about how okay, you know, you know, in in the, I think it's Paul in the New Testament where he says like a day is like a thousand years. I get that now because <laughs> even though we're recording this on Wednesday, it, we might have well well as recorded this a thousand years in the past because <laughs> that's how fast things move now. Like remember the Democratic primaries when it, it, it was like Michael Bloomberg was you know trying to. Oh, get yeah. on stage and it's like that feels like a decade ago that, that was feels like yeah yeah, th- yeah it wasn't it wasn't even it was a few months ago that was like this summer like it is, feel, yes you know what feels like forever ago tiger king that was yeah. this year <laughs> Tiger yeah, King is the linchpin of 2020. It's like yes. whenever you want to realize, like go back to Tiger King, and then you can be like, "We're still." It's like We're it's kind of like our here. compass. Like yeah, yeah, it's like our buoy, Tiger yeah. King. Yeah, I, I mean that that feels like it was the TGIF era of the mid 90s. Right. It might as well have been. It might as well, like Cameron the bat, the NBA bubble. The NBA bubble seems like a distant memory at this point. Like Bad. it just wrapped a couple weeks ago. But it was like, hey, remember when the NBA players went to that bubble? Like yeah. just that day. I don't know what's going to transpire between now and Friday. Like, I don't. But what I do know with absolute certainty is that people will look back on Wednesday and be like, man, that feels Wednesday feels like forever ago. And they're going to say that on Friday morning. And and that's that's just how insane and, and fast the world has been moving right now. But I wanted to give the disclaimer, not only to just set up like, hey, we're not going to talk politics, but because we don't know what we're talking about. But two, like if really bad things happen, civil unrest breaks out or, you know, whatever. We're not going to acknowledge it because we don't know. And I just felt yeah. like I had to set that context because it'd be really weird. <laughs> it'd be if, insensitive. It would feel insensitive. If a city was on fire and we were like, la di da di da Tiger King. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so there you go, everybody. We're I really ignorant. hope there's no civil unrest. Just me. Being, I, I, I do. I, I hope that we're better than that. I, I hope I, either I, way. I'm afraid Dude, I was listening to NPR Wednesday morning, uh, dropping my son off at school, and they were interviewing a handful of just randomly selected voters uh, from different parts of the country. Just what are your thoughts? And w- one of the ladies said uh, she was a Trump supporter, and I'm not classifying this. It's just literally what she said. She said, well, I hope he doesn't concede. Because if he does, there's going to be a civil war in this country and we're ready to fight for our country. We're going to. And I'm like, she's serious. She's serious. Yeah. Like that, that. that's the thing that scares me is there's actually quite a few people on both sides that feel yeah. like the election will be stolen from them and we're going to fight to get it back. You know, and it's just like, holy cow, I'm praying for peace in this country. And maybe we're on Friday and everything's fine, you know, but right now on Wednesday. 
a lot of people are on edge. So I, I went to bed on, I say last night, people were listening to this. I was telling Derek beforehand, I went to bed on election night, the earliest I've gone to bed in, in, in over a year. And because it was like, I honestly think it's going to be better just to sleep than, than like stay up because I know, I know we're not going to know. I know it's going to be yeah. weird and uncertain. And like, you know, it, it's, it's, when did again, you go to bed? 1045. Dude. Last year, I stayed up till they announced at two twelve in the morning, and oh I gosh. fully same thing. Had my plans. I had my. I was drinking diet coke. I had my caffeine going. I was ready. And at ten thirty, I went to bed. Yeah. We were like, watching. We were watching all the election stuff with our kids, like trying to be good parents. Like, okay, guys, here's how it works. We're going to watch the years of states, and then literally the kids are getting bored, and finally we're like, who wants to watch Friday Night Lights? And so we watched an episode <laughs> of Friday Night Lights that we're binging instead of finishing the election. Which great idea. It was more fun. Great idea. It was because yeah. me and my wife were watching it, and my wife just looks at me and says, "This is boring." That's right. <laughs> That's <what> yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, yeah. "I was like, yeah, you kind of right." <laughs> we, I mean, then we made the granola. Good, the good news is that the networks are being a lot more cautious. Yeah, you yeah. know, because of everything and. Uh, other years, they might have like advanced their their calls a little quicker yeah. uh, for ratings. And then last night, though, it was just like. <laughs> We don't well, know. I will we'll say know that, on Thursday. We're like, this. well, then why am I watching? Props to the CNN guy. I was kind of flipping before I went to bed. I was kind of flipping back and forth between different coverages, you know, from different networks. Then, like NBC was just like cutting away to different interviews and campaign advisors. NBC and, had way too many commercials. Yeah. Well, CNN just went with their own strategy, which was like, we're gonna have any guests, we're gonna have any analysts, we're just gonna plant our dude by the map and just get him to talk about the map. And Man. within ten minutes, he ran out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's results are, and he's like, "Well, did I mention about this county? Let me tell you." Yeah, it's like, you did. Well, we did hear about it, the county. Like, can we? Like, him it was and like, the guy counting the the votes, the difference between. Between votes and mail-in ballots or whatever, yeah. I felt so bad for him. That man had one line all night. Well, you see, fifty percent of the ballots are in. Ten yeah. percent are absentee. We expect it to be fifty-four. We got. It. We got it. It's, it's like, like dog, okay, bro. We got it. Man. It was like watching a slow baseball game, and there, and you can tell the the color man it just felt he, like baseball. He, where, where the color man <laughs> in baseball, the color man can just call down to the to the director and be like, "Hey, find a cute kid eating a hot dog and zoom in on that kid." We'll about him for a few, you know, and it's like in the middle of a, literally in the middle of a playoff baseball game. Like, oh, look at this guy, he's got a chili dog there. Didn't know they got chili dogs back, socially distanced chili dog. Like, this baseball kid. is so boring, they have to cut away to the crowd oh, and talk like, about the crowd. Or it's like, hey, let's just do let's just zoom around and see if we can get some kids doing Fortnite dances. Like, literally, <laughs> they should have just had that last night. Like, hey, it's gonna be a while before Wisconsin finally phones them in. Can we get some kids doing Fortnite dances? Here we go. I was, was going to say, shout out to John King, though, man. That dude stood on his feet for about 20 hours, it felt like, yesterday. Like, I don't know if he or the 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 cooks at Popeye's during a Popeye's chicken uh, sandwich craze were working harder. Like, I don't know which one had the harder <laughs> job because that dude, I know, because he's wearing, you know, those hard bottom shoes, too. You saw those shoes, those church shoes. Imagine standing up for that long in those church shoes, Cameron. Dude, I've been a groomsman enough time, and that commitment is maybe 45 minutes at a long, at a long window. And you're up there standing like, good Lord, I don't know, my back is... My, you know, was, my, my dogs are barking after 20. And yeah, was, I, was in, I was in a wedding one time. He had so many groomsmen. I was down by the piano. And it, it was like, 
I, I, my, my knees were like locking. I was getting a little like, man, I've just been up here way too long. I sat down on the piano bench. Like if I was John King, I would have just brought a stool. I'm telling like, you. Like, it's too long. All right. If he would have brought one of those like folding chairs that parents bring to like peewee soccer games, you know, they just like fold up. He's got yep. his like Yeti in the cup holder, you know, and he's like, hey, we're in here for the long haul. He gets a blanket and puts it around his legs. That's you know? it. I think people would love that. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah. I'd, that'd make me watch. For sure. I'd love it. Well, despite all that, we have a great show in store for you today. If you heard the Tuesday episode of Relevant, you know we released our November issue of Relevant this week. The cover story is a fascinating conversation with none other than Matthew McConaughey, and he's our guest on today's podcast. You won't want to miss that conversation. Also, after that on the show, we we are kicking off a new series that we're going to be running for the next couple of months here on the show. Uh, that links in with a series of articles we've been doing on the website. It's our fall wellness series. And we have a segment, a conversation with a dietitian named Nicole Masita. We're going to be talking about what our culture gets wrong about healthy eating. Why are we doing a wellness segment during the holidays? Because think about it. We all had quarantine this year. We all, a lot of us gained the COVID-15, some of us the COVID-20. And we're going into the holidays and it's like, why don't we be intentional about our mental, emotional and physical well-being? Let's jolt this thing back on track. So we've been doing some articles on the site and we also now are going to be doing a, a segment on each podcast. And that segment is brought to you by our sponsor, UHSM. So stay tuned for that. Our wellness segment and Matthew McConaughey. It's going to be a good one. Cameron, I'm very excited for that segment because I've been stress eating Halloween candy. Like my kids have it. Like, and it's not even really stress. It's just the election stress is a great excuse for me just Dude. to gorge myself on Halloween candy. And Dude. I have make no apologies. Dude, America. election night. Election night. This is a true fact. I saw it. Uh, it was trending that um, the all time highest. Google search for this phrase was on election night. Liquor stores near me. No. Oh my gosh. Highest all time Google search for liquor stores near me was election night this week. Everybody's stressing. Wow. That's Everybody's some stress, stressing. baby. <laughs> we so collective, we co everybody collectively said, I got to get a little tipsy to deal I with this. Pie, little drink. I need some hey, candy. By the way, just <laughs> since we're on the topic, uh, and I don't know if we want to keep this or not, but I don't care. It's funny. Um, <laughs> do, 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 there is somewhere that I read uh, about the the bar tab that the founding fathers racked up the the night the two days before they they uh, did finish the Constitution. It is like George Washington threw down like LeBron after the championship. Like he he, he was ordering this is while they're working on the constitution yeah, not because they just were buttoning it up and we're like, all right, we're going out tonight guys. And literally <laughs> the, I'm going to read the bar tab later in this because it was the equivalent of like Patron bottle service for like colonial dudes. They went <laughs> raging. And that's, I feel like it's just an American tradition when politics gets stressful. It's that's what for some Where's reason the liquor it happens store? in this country. Tree, you know, yeah, there you go. All right, well, stay tuned. Coming up next, it's relevant news. Calm, but sometimes all I think about is you. Late nights in the middle of June. He has been faking me out. Can't make you happy or now. You can't fight it, you can't breathe. You say something so loving, but now I got. 
You're listening to Glass Animals. The song is Heat Waves, which there aren't many of left anymore this year. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from experiencing peace or achieving your goals? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world right now, it can be difficult to find peace and purpose. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you can message your counselor anytime. To top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash relevant. Okay, it is time for... Relevant News. Relevant News. Please welcome to the show our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, man. Hey, everybody. All right. So tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week that has nothing to do with politics. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> well, the listeners right now know more about what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture on Friday than I do right now. But yeah. well, but I'll stick to what we know, uh, what we know today, what we can really get into. Uh, and, and I uh, did say that it was Slim Pickens. 95% of our coverage this yeah, week yeah, was it's timely. Be an interesting you know, one. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be an interesting one. So it's going to be, this is going to be sort of a novelty revel, rev, uh, relevant news. So this is going to be something for for like your bar trivia nights. So there's going to be a lot of, <laughs> it's just going to be some fun facts. The, f- the founding fathers had a lot of those. Yeah, exactly. All right. So one thing that that we've discussed a few times, but is actually still going on, is uh, is of course the COVID nineteen pandemic. And it's been interesting. We discussed this a few times too, to see how churches have responded to some of the restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, And there's been a few as some churches have uh, refused uh, state orders to socially distance and have continued to meet indoors. There have started, I would say some of the chickens have come home to roost over the past couple of weeks uh, with regards to these churches that have refused to meet indoors. One of them, for example, uh, Calvary Chapel in San Jose, they're looking at a lawsuit and a $350,000 fine for their violation of Governor Gavin Newsom's restrictions on churches during during this pandemic. Mm, uh, and their, their pastor, this guy, Mike McClure, he's staying defiant. He says he's called to preach the gospel despite this fine that he's facing. He's acknowledged the fines and the legal challenges. He told this whole church about them. And he said, quote, there are people who are accusing us that we are trying to kill people, that we don't care about people. That's the farthest thing from the truth. He says, we care about the whole body. I don't want to break the law, but I'm called to preach the gospel. Um, He even said, apparently there could be a restraining order against the church by the following Sunday. And that when congregants, that when congregants come quote, you may be breaking the court order and they may arrest you or give you a fine or citation. Uh, so that that will be something to keep an wow. eye on, but it doesn't sound like they care about it. And he's just alerting people that if they want to come to church next week, they could be arrested for going in the front door. Uh, and that's actually uh, pretty minor compared to what's being faced by Grace Community 
Community Church, also in California, down in Sun Valley, pastored by John MacArthur. If you've been in uh, Christian circles for any appreciable amount of time, then John MacArthur is probably a familiar name to you. He was a required reading for me at Moody Bible Institute when I was there. He has also been extremely defiant of orders to be socially distanced. Uh, he was asked many times to meet outside, to do uh, to do digital meetings. He refused to do all of those things. He has urged other churches to follow his lead as well. And uh, now his church has been struck with a coronavirus outbreak with the Los Angeles County wow. Department of Health, Public Health reporting three confirmed cases and three confirmed cases from one place is the criteria for an outbreak out there in California. Now, public health officials have not yet provided any further information about whether the cases were transmitted during Sunday services or if those infected were on church staff or among the members or 7,000 people who go to church there. But LA County does require places of worship to report when at least three cases are confirmed within a two-week span so health officials can attempt to stem the tide before it gets out of control. Now, obviously, this was a little bit predictable. This is this is how coronavirus spreads uh, is by meeting indoors during a pandemic. And it did happen here. But John MacArthur, again, staying defiant. Uh, and he, there is now there are now calls for him to be indicted in uh, contempt of court. And they're going to be going to court later this month to try to fight off those claims. Uh, so that's sort of a microcosm of things that are happening. And this is happening in a lot of places over the country. But these are some of the major ones. Lawsuits, coronavirus out breaks. It'll be interesting to see if people sort of change their tune here or if uh, we continue to see this fight between churches and courts in regards to the pandemic. Are we seeing this in other states as well or is this mainly in um, the West Coast? I think California has the most restrictive laws for about gatherings, right? Is okay. that why we're seeing it there? That's correct. Yeah. California yeah. has been the most, has very large churches uh, and has been very, uh, I guess some churches there would say restrictive. Other people might say uh, very protective of their, of their state right. population. So that's the, been the, the extent of what's happening. And it's in other places. It's not as hard to do this. You know, we've talked many times about Sean Foyt, who's traveling across the whole country with these outdoor worship services and has faced no pressure from police uh, in any places that he's been. He's in fact talked very openly about how many places have been supportive of what he's doing. But of course, that's all been outdoors, which is something that John MacArthur has not done. He's continued to be right. indoors. And a lot of churches of are meeting outdoors to exactly. kind of yeah, compromise with the restrictions. And also, you got to remember, too, about a lot of those worship gatherings that are happening. They're not permitted. So while police haven't like come, like they're just people gathering in a park and it's very unofficial. Most of them, some of them have sound systems and stuff, but a lot of them are just very renegade style. And so it's like, well, wait, what are, th are they violent? You know, it's like, it just mm -hmm. almost like it comes and goes before any kind of uh, official action can take place. So, anyway. and it's kind of complicated. To, it seems like what we're really facing here is not, it's not illegal to have church in the U S right. That's not what these state orders have. That's not what they found, but it is sort of illegal to have mega church in the, like this is we mega churches are not conducive to a pandemic. So if you continue to get 5,000 people indoors for a Sunday service, that is something that a lot of States are going to shut down because of the pandemic right now. Uh, even so it's, just not really possible for a place like John MacArthur to meet outside right now. You can't host 5,000 people in a single worship service outdoors in California. Right. Right. Why don't you just do a zoom call? When you read that quote from the Ch Calvary Chapel pastor, he's like, well, you know, I'm called to like, you know, reach people. I'm kind of going, the internet's really good for that. 
You know, it's, like, it's great. Like, I mean, it's it's awesome. You you reach more people than who come to your church. You you just do a Zoom call with. I, I don't mean, know. to you that do it in your fact, pajamas? dude. I right. I was talking to a pastor friend the other day. Both Rick Warren mentioned this when we talked to him a few weeks ago, but also uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama. Uh, Gateway Church in Dallas, uh, all ha- now, you know, they usually have 10, 20,000 people come. I mean, they're huge churches. They now regularly have over 100,000 people attend virtually on a Online. Sunday. And it's like, the church is expanding through this era. I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's like this yeah. whole thing of like, we have you, to squeeze you in a building to yeah. be called the church. Doesn't make sense. And then when Even it's though, safe, maybe your building will have more people in it. When you come back, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, right. Even though we're meeting outside and you can only have so many, uh, we'll continue to do online services because right. the reach has been so grand. The, the other thing about that too, is like, I feel like people conflate the mission of the church with going to church where the church service is so central to the church where when actually that should be and this is a challenge for everyone including myself but i feel like actually attending for what 90 minutes a week should be a really small part of what the local church is all about you know well if you're contemporary non-denom 75 minutes yeah tight 75 hour 15 in and out yeah, in and out, and then we get the then we go to later service. Get a little yeah. little break time. You got a thirty minute out. break, and then they're coming yep. in for the next one. Yeah, yep. and then we got to clear out of the. Yeah, exactly. So, but but if, but the reality is like that small window of time. I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying that's more of a luxury, especially yeah. when you look at scripturally, like the church wasn't these big gatherings. It was very small gatherings, you know, where two or more are gathered, where the whole point of the local church and local congregations isn't just a big hangout session once a week, which was a lot of what Sunday mornings are. It's it's about how the church is serving their community and doing the work of the church, which is ultimately raising disciples not just hey let's come meet to you it's like that that the meeting on sunday morning is the icing on the cake that's not the work of the church You've, we've talked to so many people with this uh, over the past couple of months at relevant who pastors who've said it's been honestly really good for our membership it's been really good for, for the, we've been able to reach more people we've seen more people uh but Pastor Rick Warren, you can read his whole conversation with that Cameron had with him at the in the magazine right now. It's posted on the site. Uh, he talks about what he says something like six thousand people that he's led to Christ since the uh, since this pandemic. Crazy. Six thousand people. Most have that in a year. More people are coming to Christ through the through the church than than before the pandemic. And I asked him how, and he said eighty percent of those are through not decisions from the web broadcast but from small groups he said our church highly emphasizes small groups and those are continuing to meet in various ways and more people are coming to christ through those than than if we just gathered on a sunday in a big building so it's like and that's not acceptable for a lot of celebrity pastors the idea mm -hmm. that they weren't the ones that were that were in the center of it you know that that you're leaving it to these small congregations or, or whatever. So I don't know, like to me, the idea of going to jail because you just bucked pandemic restrictions when there's so many other ways to preach, that just seems just stupid. Like, I don't mean, I don't (laughs) really know other way to say it. It's like, you don't, that's not a necessary thing for you to physically be at your building to preach. If preaching is, what you feel like, you know, 
you have to do. Like, there's so many ways to get that message out. Well, and two, I mean, something again, we're not holding him up on a pedestal, but something Rick said uh, was a reason why the COVID is is uh, affecting so many churches negatively, like they're scrambling, they don't know what to do, is because their one purpose as a church was a worship gathering. Mm, and he said, yeah. as, a, as a ministry, we've always been very intentional that we have five purposes as a church. And he said, take one away temporarily. The other four are still going and thriving. We're, we haven't lost any mm-hmm. direction as a, as a congregation. And so he's not in a rush to regather because the other four purposes and ministries of the church are continuing even during the quarantine. So again, it's just like, maybe let's rethink what the purpose and expression of our local churches are, you know, like maybe it's not all about Sunday mornings, you know? And it's not forever. It's just for a little while. I I think that's the thing that's like, it's just for a moment. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe come springtime, things will begin to ease up if we would just all commit to saying, let's just do the thing. Let's do what we know science is telling us to do. And then you can yeah. get back to having your, your mega churches, you know, except the, a pushback from that, from people would be, well, this is just, it's a slippery slope. What's the slippery well, slope? The, the well, now they com- tell us we can't have church. China. The next right. is we yeah. can't even say the name of God. They're going to come take all our Bibles. Like that's yeah. what the, that's where the brain would go for people who were saying that would be like, this is just the beginning. Next thing you know, you know, when, but, if you think no, about it, you're like, well, it's just for a season because we have a and, global pandemic, global pandemic. Referencing back to what Rick said, it's like, we're not being singled out. Movie theaters aren't gathering yes, in our that, state. Yes. <laughs> Football stadiums are empty in our state. It's it's just all large gatherings. It's not churches. It's all large gatherings mm-hmm. in California. So true. And, yeah. You know, that's the thing that we have to remember. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, like, if that's the case, then is, is Chili's going to not do in-room right. dining for the rest of their <laughs> life? What do you, first you take away the guacamole and then, you know, it's like, come on guys. Like, <laughs> next is the baby re- back re- ribs. Rela- right. You know, you relax. <laughs> like it's going to, you're going to get back. First off, I think the thing that we don't realize is this is not beneficial for anyone, this lockdown. Like no one, no one's in lockdown being excited about this. So I don't think, Anyone wants a church to not be able to meet and everybody be locked down in their homes forever. Most people are ready to get back to life. Most people are frustrated that the people like the John MacArthur's are preaching this gospel of rebellion, which I've already talked about that one. But you're preaching that and it's just making the process longer for us to be stuck in this 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 God forsaken lockdown, you know. So yeah. I don't know. That's weird. There's a reason it, like, like SZA isn't out there saying, well, if I don't go on tour this year, well, they might never let me go on tour again. They're going yeah. to control all concerts from now on. And, they, and there's a reason yeah. because there's no paranoia among the music community, but there, there is a his, history of this sort of, uh, this persecution complex among Christians. It's, it's gotta be said among white Christians in the U S this is not something mm. that you see from, from other, you don't see this. The black church is, doesn't seem to be worried about this in the same way. It's the same degree that white churches. It's a good are. point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Okay. Well, this one, this is, this is sort of from the archives, but it'll be, I'm glad, I'm glad, Derek, I'm glad you're here for this. Uh, oh gosh. I've got, I've, <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a music question for you. Is it Kanye? Uh, 
this is no, this isn't Kanye West. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give, I got a word for us right. from a guy by the name of Christian Birdall. Oh, he is yeah. a Christian I musician. He runs well, a ministry out in I California. Mean, say, say, this is from like the eighties though. It's not, you <laughs> it's, can't, it's, this, it's, it's the not 80s? the eighties. It's not the eighties, but it's not Daisy Fresh. This is been I, around what, for a while. I saw the clip. You're saying that's not the eighties? Early nineties. I believe, I believe this is thousands. I believe we're no. in the, we're in the new millennium. I looked it up and I believe it. And I believe what it said was 2005. So no. it's a little old. Okay. It's a all little right. old. I'll let y'all go. It's it's uh, not new, it, but it but it's. Oh but, God! I don't even want to know what this uh, is. Don't know. All right, come on, okay. all right. Lay it on He's going to tell you that. He's going to show you biblically that you're going to hell, Derek Minor. So just yeah, yeah, yeah. stay tuned. Well, well Wait, this, is, this is an intervention. Yeah, this is an intervention. <laughs> oh, is I, I, it, this is what I think it is. Okay, play, please play the here clip. Here we go. Here we go. Let me give you just a little bit of background here before we get into the clip. Clark has the clip ready. Kirsten Birdall runs this. He runs a ministry in California. Lots of, lots of weird California news today. It's this place <laughs> called Shepherd's Call. Uh, and among the many things that he sells on his website is a 12-hour lecture series called The Distraction Dilemma that explains how modern Christian music has been corrupted by mm. one of the devil's schemes. And mm. that scheme is syncopation. Uh, now, I'm sure as faithful Christians here, we're already <laughs> well aware of the of the dangers of syncopation in our I music. This, syncopation. I, I just know what that means, bro. syncopation. <laughs> okay. All right. Syncopate. I'm glad you asked, Jamie. Now, you can go to the website and you can hear him break down what syncopation and means. He doesn't he do a, a good job at it. He doesn't, he doesn't do a good job. He would, so he would, it's, it's, going, it's going to the offbeat, right? So when the emphasis is on the offbeat in your music, so instead of his analogy, instead of Jesus loves me, this, he he does, he does, he throws a little, he, he remixes it. He, he, he chops and screws it and it's Jesus loves me. This side, it's, it's, uh, it's going to the offbeat and that's yeah, it's on the end. So one and dangerous. two and three and uh -huh. four syncopation Guys, lives is, on the end. This is like Mandarin to me, but keep going. Well, here, let me, I'm not going to do it. I've done my part. Let's let Christian, uh, on, he'll, he'll elucidate <laughs> the rest. Clark, can you roll that clip? The moment we move the accent from the one or three, it becomes a syncopated beat. Syncopation by all occult experts around the world agree. Occult. Syncopation <laughs> is the source of occult power in pagan worship services. Really? What? Oh yeah. So really? <laughs> this is profound to the Christian. Now we're in a in our homes, we're in our cars listening to Christian music that has all these beats and syncopated things in it. And we're going, oh, this is great, this is wonderful. What it actually does, just like it does to, to ancient voodoo worshipers and modern-day voodoo worshipers in their religious services, is it short-circuits the frontal moral lobe. It gets them oh to a gosh. place to where they can the become The frontal possessed. moral okay. lobe. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I be honest? This can I be honest what that sounds yeah, like? Shoot, shoot straight. I'm going to shoot it straight. This sounds like a white man with no rhythm that's trying to even the odds. He's like, he's like, I don't, he's like, he's like, listen, man, I just cannot get that clap down. Oh my gosh. Okay. I got a good idea. We'll call him the devil. <laughs> and, and if you see his hair, he kind of has, he looks like Doc from uh, Back to the Future. Like, that's simple, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like his hair looks like, it's just like, there's a hurricane that's over the top of his head that just doesn't stop. And it's just hair is like floating back. Like he, he looks like he's possessed, quite honestly. He looks like he's possessed, just being real. So, so now it's this that I, I, I when I saw that, 
because it was being posted by one of those parody Christian accounts, I thought it was a joke. Like, you know that right. how they have the the the, uh-huh. the real good parodies, like uh-huh. Jesus Christ is my N-word, like they had that that parody or whatever. I thought it was one of those. And then I was somebody said it was real. And I was like, dang, man, I, I can't believe white people that bitter that they're going to put the devil on us. I've been sick of I mean, I know it's not all white people, but I'm like, this, this, is this particular dude is a weirdo. And I think it's just because he's just mad he can't clap on me. So he like, has a whole class you can go whole take class. 12 hours. Yeah. This. 12 hours. 12 hours. Mm-hmm. About you just how pay for it. Is, you got to pay for it? Oh yeah, you gotta buy it. Yeah, you're paid to waste your. You're wasting your money. Don't don't waste the guys. Don't waste your money on this. Yeah, you don't have to waste your money. Back in youth group, they just showed us these videos for free. Right, <laughs> right. Gosh. My husband said when he was growing up, he couldn't listen to music with drums because it like made people's bodies want to do things that they weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's that's the argument here. That's the tribal voodoo dance. That's the voodoo. Drums make you want to do what? Have sex? They make Is that your what body movements. So next thing you know, you're listening to dance. a song with drums, your body's moving, and before you know it, you're naked having sex. I mean, that's, that's why, the slippery slope, Christianity, guys. White Christianity is footloose. <laughs> What is that? Yeah. What is that? It's exactly right. White Christianity is footloose. Like it's like they're like footloose. we're gonna take away everything that is good in life and call it the devil, and you can't do it. I'm sorry. Listen, white guys, this, not this, us this, here, this, Derek. I don't, I'm no, no, white no, no, and I'm a Christian. Just, yeah, I'm sorry. I, that, that was very blanket statement. That but version of saying. that version of that is is like footloose. Like I'm like, how in the world kid beats be? Listen, my thing is, I don't know if you've ever been overseas, but you know, there's women that are covered from head to toe and they still have sex, guys. Sex is a natural thing, guys. I don't, I don't know if you guys know that or not, but, you know. <laughs> I, I grew up in charismatic church and went to a charismatic university and like dancing in the worship service was fine because yeah. David danced and all that kind of stuff. For sure. But dancing was not allowed yeah. on campus. Okay, so there was this like, this kind of dancing is okay. This kind of dancing isn't. And so like this dude, the syncopation thing would say dance like David dance is, ba- is bad too. Yeah. But oh. I remember Derek, I was school in the late nineties. We were at Oral Roberts university and we had a concert out of Eden was coming through. Mm. Out of Eden. They were dope. And- out of Eden oh, was really dope. They're really good. They're one of the few really good groups of the nineties <laughs> coming out of the Christian scene. So the concert, whatever, three songs into it, they shut down the concert because some students were like kind of moving to the music and kind of dancing a little bit in the crowd. And they shut down the concert because dancing wasn't allowed. So so here's the thing, guys. I went to, uh, for, for a time, a very strict Baptist high school. And when, yeah. I, when I'm talking strict, I mean that, you know what the big controversy was? Hmm. Was an egg shaker appropriate during worship? <laughs> like, like percussions out, like if there's actually like actual percussions, like one instrument hitting another part of an instrument, yeah. I'm not even going drum. I'm saying cowbell is off limits, okay? If there's any sort of instruments striking each other, that's so, too far. So an egg shaker, so they're totally out on a rain stick. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, maybe for a pep rally. Um, <laughs> but you know where we landed on the egg shaker thing? <laughs> so if it's a singer with the egg shaker, just... Yeah, that's okay. You know, yeah, no, that's not okay. Oh. But if the guitar player has an egg shaker in their hand while they're strumming the guitar, so... It's 
you know, if it's if it's in line with another instrument, then it's Gosh. fine. What? <laughs> Y'all want to know the craziest thing to me um, about this whole conversation, even that. And this is even just coming from my black charismatic uh, background as well. The people who the biggest, quote unquote, we're about to get uh Real black because I don't know no way to say this, but the biggest freaks in college or high school were always the ones that their parents put the most restrictions on them. Oh like, yeah, it, it mm. was. It's a known fact. Well, that's that why pastors', pastors kids, kids go wild. Pastors like, kids, man. Th- Watch listen, out for pastors kids. If you want to do all the dirty things you ever imagined in your mind, find the pastor's daughter or son, and and it's gonna. Well, I mean Jerry Falwell. Like yeah. if we just being honest, like my PK. man Jerry Falwell is doing a level. He's doing a level of sexuality. He's, he's doing push-ups with cheerleaders, you know. All this, all this with his, with his, you know what I mean. So I, I'm like, this to me, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think the issue is the music because I mean, I don't just don't picture. I, I don't know. It's just I don't know. It's strange. It's, it's this is, that it's a when strange you add thing. anything to the Bible and say that this is truth. Like if if that's your deal, if you if this guy, whatever his name is, says this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to choose to do, that's like fine for him. But when you start to say this is a mandate for all Christians and it's not written in the Bible, that's when it's just downhill legalism. And then they go off to college and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a freak now because all these things. Uh, it doesn't that stuff can't well, it's like last. Rum Springer or whatever. No, I don't mean yep. the wrong thing. Rum Springer, yep. Let's go yep. away for yep. a year. Yeah. And then have to figure out for themselves, you know, what they believe, you know. But yep. I think I mean, David, I mean, music is throughout the Bible. I just don't understand, oh, but this kind of a beat is a cult and this kind of a beat is not. I mean, that's just where is that? What, is is like, I really cr- want to spell that out. Like whatever yeah, else you guys nowhere. do, don't get into syncopate. Like that, that, that <laughs> didn't come up. Somehow Jesus missed that. And all I'm going to say side note that the people of the Bible are African. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're from Africa. So I'm sure they probably had some syncopated rhythms in their music when they were going around Jericho. Yeah. I'm pretty confident it didn't sound like don't, it was a river don't, dance. Don't, yeah, it was a river dance. <laughs> even river, <laughs> but even river dance has syncopation. That's the crazy uh-huh. part about it. Like white people be having some syncopation in their stuff too. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, what? Are, what are you doing, the man? Why are you occult, trying to? Just the white occult and voodoo. You just oh, you know, according goodness. to him. Anyway, what else you got, Tyler? All right, the streaming service game. Uh, how are are you all like? Is are we like at a three streaming services per household situation here? Three or four? I what do you mean Netflix, by that? Like, oh, okay. Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus. I think that I think that's it. I don't have Hulu. I got so I have many. Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus. But then I also stream everything else like ESPN, ABC. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. Cable. I have all those, but I have them because I have cable. So I'll get my yeah, ESPN we don't have included cable. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Disney really? Plus. So you pay separate? Disney Plus, YouTube TV, yeah, crazy. Do you you have YouTube TV? Yeah, it's great. So, so that's how you get your quote unquote cable. It's great live. Okay, I, got I love you. it. It's it, it's great. It's kind of like Hulu Plus, where you can also get cable. So I haven't seen Hulu Plus, but I just know that I get all my local stations, and oh, my cable good. bill is a lot cheaper. So, <laughs> is it really? It's yeah, a lot it, bro, it is 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 night and day. You know, I'm not paying for a phone. <laughs> for me when i added up like hulu plus you know the live package plus all the others it was just like what i'm paying now so mm. it's like so i just kept what i got for now so anyway well why 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of why, here's why I bring it up. Because uh, who... Uh, there's been there's been some chatter about HBO Max's uh, launch this year, which maybe hasn't quite gotten. Obviously, none of these places released exact numbers. But maybe hasn't quite gotten as well, or as or has gotten the numbers that HBO wanted to. So they're adding a bunch of new offerings, and most of them have to do with comedy. Coming up on HBO Max, if you have it, you're going to be able to have access to all the episodes of things like Key and Peele, uh, Inside mm. Amy Schumer, Reno 911, really good show. Uh, mm. Nathan for you, one of my favorite comedies of the last ten. Years, Nathan. For you, if you if you have a high tolerance for awkward, uncomfortable comedy, then Nathan for you is is the way to go. And uh, and uh, the Chappelle Show, one of the all time great uh, oh. comedy shows, is going to be all every episode of Chappelle Show is going to be available on HBO Max. Now, this was weird, and actually, I had to fact check it a few times because I didn't quite believe it was happening. Chappelle Show is actually going to two places. Uh, not only will it be in HBO Max, it's heading to Netflix next month as later at, later later huh. this month it'll be. Uh, so nobody got exclusive rights. So if you got Netflix, yeah. you can watch. You'll be able to watch every episode. It's only, it's only two seasons. It's I crazy don't know that, why. that it would and go I don't into know why they wouldn't fight rival. for exclusive rights to Chappelle's mm-hmm. show. It seems yeah, like that would be a stipulation. Um, you know what? It might be partially because of Chappelle's pre-existing deal with Netflix for all the originals I that wonder, maybe his yeah, IP comes with them and that and then HBO separately did a deal with Comedy Central for all those Comedy Central shows maybe they split maybe they co-own the show you know what I mean and Chappelle made his own deal and Comedy Central made their own deal or something I don't know the, the thing is with these kind of new streaming offers is like the whole promise of streaming is that you could cut the cord right. quote unquote and, and, and ditch your cable yeah for 20 bucks an, a month you can have all yeah. the entertainment you need yeah, exactly. But now 20 bucks a month is like 70. So I, I do think at some point, some sort, I, here, here's, here's my, my, my big, if I were, you know, prognosticating about the future of media, I still feel like whatever service is able to effectively create some sort of a la carte offering, right? Where you, you know, you're not paying, because even with like Netflix or HBO Go or whatever, fill in the blank. You're paying for programming that most of which but you don't that's watch. Just, that's just the iTunes store where you can buy a series that you like. Yeah, but I, I don't know if the model has been like affected. Like, I feel like there the price needs point's to, not there. Yeah, yeah. And there needs to be some sort of trial too. like, like, hey, the, you can watch the first season of this show for free. But if you keep liking it, like no one's figured that out because like I'm not going to jump into a new series, you know, like I, I feel like there is some. I feel like it's close. Like, like there will be an enterprising streaming company that kind of cracks the code. That is kind of the 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 nuance between on demand viewing, you know, like you have with the Apple Store, right? But then some sort of streaming service where you can have modified subscription plans that maybe incorporate the other subscription services. Because here's the thing: otherwise, it's last man standing. Right. There will be one streaming service at the top and a lot of ones that are just second tier. Like I, I, I disagree I th- because the one that was at the top was Netflix because they got deals from all the content creators. And then in time, the content creators are going, wait, they're making more money than we are from our own content. We're going to make our own service and, and they're pulling it all back. And now Netflix is going to be left with their own content but, and, but, not, and not all the other stuff. So what you're seeing is... The opposite of what you're talking about, you're seeing like Peacock and HBO and Netflix and whatever all being competitors. And if 
it's almost like like you have to pick like one brand and that's it and then you're going to miss out on seven eighths of the content that's out there and and, and that's why i i feel like from a sustainability like business model i don't know if it's sustainable because i think it's going to get so there's going to be so more platforms are coming on and not many are dropping off at this point like quibi dropped off but never really had like a stronghold but at some point it's going to hit like a point where there's the, the business model I feel like is going to break down because like even for me who loves watching The Office and I love watching Parks and Rec on on Netflix, but I haven't gone and got Peacock yet because I can't watch it. You know, I think on paper that makes sense, but I think actual consumer habits, it's like, dude, I don't want another freaking app I have to go figure out. I do feel like there there is some there there's some sort of like a la carte option that somebody will figure out that I, I do feel like will will come into play because I just don't know how sustainable this is. Guys, I got a question. When do we get to the point to where someone is going to wrap up all of these uh, streaming services into one package and then call it cable? <laughs> like, when you think about it it's like everything's so fragmented and it's like yeah you know you're paying 9.99 here 13.99 here and it's like somebody's gonna come together I, I think xfinity is comcast is literally just waiting until everybody is just frustrated and say hey we just bought all this together and you can have it for the low price of 79.99 plus uh, a landline you know, you know that kid who like who like grows up super Christian and then deconstructs everything and then goes to the reconstruction process and they have a bunch of new words for it. But you're like, that's entertaining. You know, you're the exact same. This is just Christian. This is. It's all the same. Yeah, it's you, no, you, 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 did no back, you did right up where you started. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, we're all you know millennials are cord cutting. They're disrupting the entertainment industry. And it's like. Millennials are still going to be paying 80 bucks a month for their entertainment <laughs> that they watch on their television. Like, that's what they're doing. Just irresponsibly because some of the stuff is like, dang it, I, I keep forgetting to cancel that. They're just paying you for uh, $9.99 yeah. every, yeah. every month. <laughs> Did you see Netflix me. just raise their prices again this week? Yeah. yeah. Netflix fun. realized everybody's at home, COVID, they're watching way more. And guess what? Right there, we're going to swoop in and raise our prices. And so. And no one's going to say anything. And nobody's saying anything because you have to keep watching it. And then that yeah. gave that gives cover, almost like the airlines do this. One airline raises their prices; they all follow yeah. suit. So now all of a sudden, Disney Plus will probably bump up a little bit, and now all of a sudden, you know Hulu will bump up a little bit, and that's what's happening. But you know what I saw this week as well? November first happened when all these shows went over to HBO Max. November first, somebody also said, "Y'all, it's the countdown. Only two more mm-hmm. months of The Office on Netflix." Mm. And it's then where does away. it go? Where do you want? You have to buy it? Peacock. Eventually it'll be going over to Peacock. Yeah. Peacock. Uh, which is NBC's so. new and streaming that's the service. NBC's new thing. And they're going to have The Office. They're going to have Parks and Rec uh, and Community. That's a pretty strong. And 30 Rocks, that's a. That's a Oh, they're that's a quadrilateral Rock from there. Netflix too? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to have. It's already there. You can already watch it there, but they're going to have it exclusively come 2021. And Netflix is obviously shaken on that one because The Office continues to be. Netflix's highest, most streamed show by a pretty healthy percentage. We haven't seen numbers on it in a year or so now, but it's but they're none of their original content has come close to touching the office in terms of streams. The second so Ivy kid in the house is binging the office right now. One of my kids already did it. Now another one's binging it. So and they're it, loving it, aren't they? They're loving it. Yeah. Yep. Last last this year office is legendary. Uh, I believe I've got this percentage correctly, but last year we reported that a survey was done of millennials 
who subscribe to Netflix, 76% of them said they subscribe to Netflix because of The Office. And if The Office ever left Netflix, they probably would cancel Netflix. That's yeah, 76% that's what I was, of millennials. That's what I was going to say. I think, I think Netflix is in trouble because they lost the Marvel properties. Uh, or they're losing the Marvel properties with because Dis- of the Disney uh, stuff. Disney. And then with this Office and, and 30 Rock stuff, Netflix. I don't know if Stranger Things is going to... Like for me, I'll just you know, pay my Netflix fee for a month to watch Stranger Things. Then when it's gone, then I'll just... That's what a lot of people used to do with HBO. You know, like they would activate HBO for the month when a new, you know, big show and then they would Mm -hmm. drop it. I did that for Lovecraft Country. I don't even lie. There you go. Remember when Tidal, when you, like every couple of years, you'd have to find a new way to get on Tidal for new Beyonce album. (laughs) 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 Do I have any any emails I haven't used for that free, for that free week subscription? (laughs) So the news is for all the people who've said no thanks to Peacock or HBO Max, your Mm -hmm. favorite shows are now going there. So (laughs) Peacock is free. Peacock takes I mean, you know, some of it's it's free. What do you mean it's free? There, there's like, tears. There are tears. There is a free tears. peacock, uh, a free version but, of peacock. But it's the drug dealer model where it's like they give you a taste for yeah, free to get you hooked yeah. and then you got to pay for it when you, you want like more. You get like season one and then if you want okay. season two. Okay, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. So. That's, how, that's how they get you. That's what I got this week. And well, next week we'll come back. We'll probably have a, a little more, some timely stuff to talk about. But So uh, we but have, yeah, this, for, this for the so non-political good. week, we've got... <laughs> A video from 2005. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from 2005. <laughs> we have some streaming news. All right. Streaming news. Well, for a lot of other stuff that we're covering every day at the intersection of faith and culture, go check out uh, relevantmagazine.com and follow us on our socials. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Matthew McConaughey joins us. You're listening to George Alice and Nasaya. The song is Stuck in a Bubble. I think it's about the quarantine. Well, today's show is also brought to you by Bombas. Maybe you haven't always thought of socks as the perfect gift or the perfect way to give back, but actually Bombas socks were made to give. Literally, when you give a pair of super comfortable Bombas socks, you're not only giving someone a gift they'll love, you're also donating a specially designed pair to someone in need. Because for every pair of socks Bombas sells, they donate a pair to someone experiencing homelessness across the U.S. And since socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, the generosity of giving Bombas will make a meaningful impact this holiday season. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. Bombas are specially engineered to be the most comfortable pair of socks you and everyone on your gift list has ever worn. Because of all the colors and varieties of styles, wearing them is easy, fun, and most of all comfortable. From comfort to kindness and everything in between, Bombas aren't just skippable. They were made to give. Go to bombas.com slash relevant today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant. Bombas.com slash relevant. Well, Matthew McConaughey is an Academy Award-winning actor philanthropist, professor, husband, father, and now author. He just released a brand new book called Green Lights, where he opens up about a lot of his story. It's also why he's the cover story in the brand new issue of Relevant, which released this 
week. In our conversation with him, he opens up about his spiritual journey, his relationship with God, and a lot more. Here's a part of our conversation with the one and only Matthew McConaughey. Matthew, you've lived with the stories you wrote in your book for a long time now. In writing them down, did you discover anything new about them, about how they affected your life? There was a lot of that, and that's really where the title Greenlights came from. I noticed a central theme. Look, when I went away with the diaries, the first thing I said is I said, well, let's open them all up and see if things fall into a category so we can have some sort of semblance and start off with some structure. What I had was... A big stack of stories, a big stack about people, places, prescribes, poems, prayers, and a whole lot of bumper stickers. So I had these seven huge stacks. And I was like, okay, well, now let me go through those and be very patient and see, is there a central thing that comes out of that? And that's when green lights came up. Uh, Oh, I noticed many times how I dealt with hardship. How sometimes in the moment I realized, even though this is a red light in my life or feels like a red light. You know, there's something in this for me. There's something I'm supposed to learn. There's a lesson I'm supposed to learn. I don't know what it is, but just hang in there. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the biggest crisis of my life. And a week later, it turned out that I created the drama. It wasn't a crisis. It wasn't even a red light at all. And I gave it too much credit. Other times I'd be in in a red and yellow light crisis, hardship in my life. And the green light would reveal itself a year, two years, 10 years later. Like my dad's passing. Big red light. Boy, the lessons I learned, the the way I got the courage to enact values that he instilled in me that I would not have had the courage to do had he still been alive because I I was relying on him or I knew he had my back. And when I lose him as a safety net, I then as a young man get the courage to go, no, I'm going forward on my own path and I'm going to I'm going to activate those values that he's been that he's taught me that I kind of wasn't really incorporating into my daily life. The other thing is I noticed that the stuff out these subject matters that I was interested in at 14 years old when I first started writing my diary, I'm interested in the exact same thing today. I have different questions. I have more evolved answers, but man, I'm the same dude. Yeah, I have the same things that will wake me up in the middle of the night or the same reason I couldn't go to bed because an idea had me down or the same things, kind of kind of things about culture and people and who am I in this world and what are we doing? What's it all about? How can I be my better self tomorrow? How can I live in a way today that I can look forward to looking back at what I did? That's all about purchasing green lights in our life, too, about I noticed I engineered a lot of green lights in my life through decisions, through sacrifices. I noticed I had teed myself up for successes and I was kind to my future self via decisions I made and things, a lot of things I went, I said no to. Something you bring up a lot in the book is the tension that you feel between self-reliance and, uh, and God who is divining our path and has a plan for us. Can you unpack that tension you feel a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, you know, I'm a believer. I believe in God. Um, I also have had seen people and have had times in my life where I think I took advantage of the, oh, well, it's all fate. It's, uh, what's going to happen is going to happen. It's, it's all been written. And I've, myself, and I've seen other people do it, but I myself have gone to where I 
let myself off the hook in ways and became irresponsible in ways because it was kind of too quickly to forgive. Oh, don't worry. No, it's all right. I had a time where I had a couple of very agnostic years and they weren't as much about disbelieving. They were more about, hey, quit chalking things up to fate, Matthew. You have your hands on the wheel. You're responsible for your decisions. That's why you got free will. You make, make the choice for yourself. Your hands are on the wheel. I did find this out that when I've when I've been in the places where, you know, I look, I, I call it the Google eye, God's eye in the sky, and I look at Earth and I look at our little dot we are on the planet, and the world's turning, and we're that little individual on the per, on the planet, and you go, oh my gosh, I'm like nothing, n- n- none of it, none of what I do matters. That place of humility is actually where I realized, oh, it all matters. <laughs> There's a great empowerment that comes with that. And now I've, I've had, I've struggled with the definition of humility and vulnerability all, all, all my life. The best one I've heard was from a, from a man named Jordan Peterson. Um, humility is, is, is owning that you have more to learn. You know, I was, I, I learned this at that, a monastery and some readings of Thomas Merton uh, about, you know what, if you're trying, you're really trying. I do believe God loves a trier. He's <laughs> you know? like, hey, man, just please, you're putting in the effort to try and take some self-ownership for yourself, to be self-reliant, to have some, to understand the, the value and the reality of self-determination within, with, uh, amongst this world that I've got the, you know, that God has the strings to. So basically seek and you shall find, right? That there's sort of a, a reward just for seeking, a spiritual reward just for seeking. I believe so. I believe so. And I mean, look, whenever, you know, it's like I talk about when people try to dislocate science and God. Science to me has always been the practical pursuit of God. It's not going to ever prove God. That doesn't mean you quit doing science. Um, you know, there's the seeking. I don't, in my life, times that I've felt the most found, I've learned to take advantage of that clarity and really trust in it and try and evolve as a, as a, as a spiritual being in that. But I've also learned that there's no ta-da moments that are everlasting in this life where you go, I got it. You know what I mean? I've got a direct line. It's, it's clear. Those paths, you know, even when our garden is so full of the most beautiful flowers and everything that, you know, that, that springs eternal, we have to tend our weeds. We have to water that garden. It takes work. It takes breaking the sweat. It takes falling down. Um, I mean, one of the favorite pictures in my mind that I've that I've always seen. I've never seen the picture. I've just heard it said, but it but it has a very clear picture in my mind. And it's um, and the pastor had said it one day in church, and it was uh, the, the the individual in his small house imploding. You know, just going through all the hardships, the 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 shaking the devils off his back, and the monkeys, and he was just frustrated. He couldn't go, and life was getting dark, 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 dark. And just outside his door, the one door to his one room that he's in, stands, stands Jesus. The door, though, only has one doorknob, and it's on the inside. And I love that image of that. Now, he's, he's there. But self-determination, we have to open the door. We have to grab the doorknob. It's up to us to grab the doorknob and open the door. What does that look like, grabbing the doorknob? What does that mean, practically? For me, it used to be... As I said earlier, when I went to write the book, I thought I'd be so embarrassed about things or, oh, I feel so much shame about things or be so down. And I'm the last person, I'm the last person to forgive myself. I'm harder on myself. 
And I've always struggled with this. Well, I don't, you know, if I'm going to be a repeat offender, how can I sincerely ask for forgiveness? If I know that, doggone it, if I'm really tempted, I'm going to do that again in a month next year. And so I do believe that in forgiveness, if the individual is actually earnestly seeking retribution in with, with God, with each other in relationships. If someone's going up going, well, you know, give me another chance. I mean, look at it. We can look at it in politics all over the place. If you're going to well, give me another chance. You go, well, are you going to work for it? You go, no. But I mean, you know, give me another chance. Well, hang on a second. Who's fooling who? Um, but the doorknob for me is, is always been like, now it's become an understanding, a little more of an understanding. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm correct and true about this. It feels true to me is that God's not looking for us to come there perfectly. Not looking for us to come there all cleaned up and, hey, I'm on it. He wants to he open the door when we're groveling, and he's not going to judge us on that and go, yeah. He's going to go, hey, man, thanks. I'll come with you through this. I'll go with you through this. I've seen it all. Matthew, can I ask, what does prayer look like for you? Prayer is inventory for me. Um, it's why I love the schedule of church, meaning Sunday. It's, it's time. It's been seven days. I go to church once a week. It's been seven days. It's time. I need, I need it. So Sunday I go and I pray and I do inventory. I try to let memory catch up, take a deep breath, understand myself as being number two in God's house and seeing, go back to my week. Remember what I can. Usually coming off a very busy week, it's sometimes hard to get a, uh, see the lineage of the week that we led to be in at that point. Things overlap. You forget certain things. Um, and I'll do this nightly, try to look back at my day as well. But mainly on Sunday is where I really sit down and try to go over the week. I try to picture everyone in my life and, I, and until I can catch them in a snapshot in my mind when they are their most true selves. Not everyone, Olin Mills going happy, happy. No, like some are very solemn faces, but that's a, per, that's a friend of mine or a loved one or a family member that they are really being their, their true selves at that moment. And sometimes it's a picture of them 20 years ago. Sometimes it's a picture of them this morning, you know, a child or something. And I'll try to go through my Rolodex mind and see everyone as their most true self and then end up trying to see myself as my, true, my most true self. Now, that can be sometimes my hardest picture to grab <laughs> in my mind and in my prayers. You know, and I have to get one. I go, no, you were, you had a little attitude. No, you were trying to act like you were happy or no, you were posing. No, no, keep going through the Rolodex until I catch myself in a picture of myself and go, ah, there you are. There you are. I'm going to ask you a tough question here because I'm curious. You talk a lot about the legacy that you want to leave behind. Uh, what do you think is going to happen to us after we die? Well, one, which is a fact, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound arrogant in saying that. I just want to state the obvious that, 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 you know, that's one of those things old science has not figured out yet. If it is the practical pursuit of God. Um, I do believe that it's not over. I've had, I still, you know, maintain a relationship with certain people in my life that are no longer physically here. And sometimes I have to manufacture that relationship, make it, try to make myself believe in it. But oh, so many other times, it, I wasn't trying at all. And I found some answers. And as you all know, as we said earlier, you find the answers, it's not a ta-da moment. It, is, it, it opens up twice as many questions as you had before. Matthew McConaughey, 
Go check out the rest of that conversation and our cover story. It's available now at relevantmagazine.com. Stay tuned. Up next, it's the first installment of our fall wellness series. You're listening to Dizzy. The song is Light Years, because if you go really fast, like Light Years, you probably get dizzy for the G-forces. Well, Nicole Masita is a dietitian out of California who's passionate about helping people find freedom from chronic dieting to find a new and mindful approach to eating right. We sat down with her to talk about what that mindful approach to eating looks like and what our culture gets wrong about healthy eating. It's the first installment of our weekly fall wellness series here on The Relevant Podcast, which is brought to you by UHSM, member-to-member health sharing. You can see why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. You can ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM or by visiting uhsm.com slash care. The great lower cost alternative to traditional insurance and we appreciate their sponsorship of this wellness series here is our conversation with nicole masita Okay, so tell me a little about yourself. What is it that you do? I'm a registered dietitian in the San Francisco Bay Area, and um, I work in private practice, and I actually mostly work with people with eating disorders and disordered eating, and so um, essentially people that have like an unhealthy relationship with food and their body. Um, that those are the people that I mostly get referrals from. Um, and then I also lead a blog that um, Christian dietitians contribute to um, that are all, you know, our focus is faith-based, but we also have a um, health at every size approach. So it's like a weight neutral approach to health. And um yeah, we have a blog with like 70 faith-based blogs on health topics. And then we have a course called Food Freedom Bible Study. And then we have a devotional called um, Diet Detox Devotional. So um, really our focus is just to let set people free from um, being in bondage with food and really create this healthier image of themselves without those things getting in the in the way because we think it can really distract people from God's calling on their life so what do you mean by distract us from God's calling how does that actually play out yeah so eating disorders are one of the deadliest mental illnesses it's actually second um the first one is like you know narcotic use Um, So um, it's super deadly and people don't really realize that. And they also don't realize that the number one um, cause of of eating disorders. So like, you know, and that could mean anything from anorexia to bulimia to, you know, subcategories of those things. The number one cause of those things is actually started by um, dieting. So people 
are dieting at a younger age. They're going on diets earlier. Um, and what we know about diets is that, you know, 95 to 98% of them don't last. They result in weight regain and even more weight gain. There's metabolic problems that can happen. So, you know, an eating disorder can really derail someone from God's calling on their life because it's a really hard thing to kind of break away from. Okay. So I keep hearing you talk about the dangers of dieting, but what are the alternatives to dieting? What does actual healthy eating look like then? Essentially, God gave, you know, you and I and everyone hunger and fullness signals. Like those were innate in us when we were babies. And, um, you know, we, we cried when we wanted food and then we stopped when we were um, full. And so, you know, that um, kind of teaching people to actually go back to um, hunger and fullness signals and, you know, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, honoring what it is that you actually want because, um, you know, God, God does give us a variety of food that we do crave and, you know, those things aren't wrong to, you know, crave. Sometimes you're going to crave, you know, a big salad. Other times you're going to crave a burger or something like that. So, um, so really kind of my job as a dietitian is um, not only kind of helping people foster this healthier relationship with food in their body, but teaching them how to get back to those innate signals. I think over the last uh, few months, a lot of us have been struggling with sort of stress eating and stuff. What can people do who are really struggling with things like eating too much, or maybe not eating enough or eating at odd hours? What are some steps we can take? If you were a client and you're coming to me with those concerns, I think the first thing I would ask is like, you know, I would get curious about those things. Like if you were saying like, hey, I've been eating, um, you know, I've been eating a lot um, more than usual, or I've been eating at random times. Kind of the first thing is get curious about why that might be happening, not in a judgmental or accusatory way with yourself, but just get curious. Like, okay, why am I doing this? Because oftentimes the way that we eat does directly affect like what is going on, you know, with your health and then, or with your, you know, mental health and the stress that you're experiencing. Once you kind of get curious about those things and then really just go, go to, go to the Lord and ask like, okay, why am I doing this? What void am I trying to fill by doing this? And do I need to be um, doing something different as a result of it? That was Nicole Masita. For more content like this, make sure to check out our fall wellness series every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. Really good stuff. Well, thank you to Matthew McConaughey for joining us. Go check out the full cover story and all the other great content that we brought you and the brand new issue of Relevant released on Monday this week. Uh, we've got Letitia Wright. We've got Social Club Misfits. We've got Brooke Ligertwood. We've got... This is great stuff. Go check it out. You can click on the magazine tab at the top at relevantmagazine.com. You don't want to miss it. Also, check out Matthew McConaughey's brand new book. It's called Green Lights, and it's available at greenlights.com and wherever you get your books. 
Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. Derek Miner. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Kids doing Fortnite dances. Here we go. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.